from ever joining their ranks. Plain and simple, they wouldn't want me, and I wouldn't want them. Except for that ex-wife I mentioned and a half-brother who was an LAPD detective, I wouldn't turn my back on any of them, especially Williams. He was a politician first and a prosecutor second. That made him even more dangerous. Though briefly a prosecutor early in his legal career, he spent two decades as a civil rights attorney before running for the DA post as an outsider and riding into office on a tide of anti-police and prosecutor sentiment. I was employing full caution at the fancy lunch from the moment the napkin went across my lap. Work for you, I asked. Doing what exactly? As a special prosecutor. A one-time deal. I want you to handle the Jason Jessup case. I looked at him for a long moment. First, I thought I would laugh out loud. This was some sort of cleverly orchestrated joke. But then I understood that couldn't be the case. They don't take you out to the water grill just to make a joke. You want me to prosecute Jessup? From what I hear, there's nothing to prosecute. That case is a duck without wings. The only thing left to do is shoot it and eat it. Williams shook his head in a manner that seemed intended to convince himself of something, not me. Next Tuesday is the anniversary of the murder, he said. I'm going to announce that we intend to retry Jessup, and I would like you standing next to me at the press conference. I leaned back in my seat and looked at them. I've spent a good part of my adult life looking across courtrooms and trying to read juries, judges, witnesses, and prosecutors. I think I've gotten pretty good at it. But at that table, I couldn't read Williams or his sidekick sitting three feet away from me. Jason Jessup was a convicted child killer who had spent nearly 24 years in prison until a month earlier when the California Supreme Court reversed his conviction and sent the case back to Los Angeles County for either retrial or a dismissal of the charges. The reversal came after a two-decade-long legal battle staged primarily from Jessup's cell and with his own pen. Authoring appeals, motions, complaints, and whatever legal challenges he could research, the self-styled lawyer made no headway with state and federal courts, but did finally win the attention of an organization of lawyers known as the Genetic Justice Project. They took over his cause and his case, and eventually won an order for genetic testing of semen found on the dress of the child Jessup had been convicted of strangling. Jessup had been convicted before DNA analysis was used in criminal trials. The analysis performed these many years later determined that the semen found on the dress had not come from Jessup, but from another unknown individual. Though the courts had repeatedly upheld Jessup's conviction, this new information tipped the scales in Jessup's favor. The state's Supreme Court cited the DNA findings and other inconsistencies in the evidence and trial record and reversed the case. This was pretty much the extent of my knowledge of the Jessup case, and it was largely information gathered from newspaper stories and courthouse scuttlebutt. While I had not read the court's complete order, I had read parts of it in the Los Angeles Times and knew it was a blistering decision that echoed many of Jessup's long-held claims of innocence, as well as police and prosecutorial misconduct in the case. As a defense attorney, I can't say I wasn't pleased to see the DA's office raked over the media coals with the ruling. Call it underdog schadenfreude. It didn't really matter that it wasn't my case, or that the current regime in the DA's office had nothing to do with the case back in 1986. There are so few victories from the defense side of the bar 
that there is always a sense of communal joy in the success of others and the defeat of the establishment. The Supreme Court's ruling was announced the week before, starting a 60-day clock during which the DA would have to retry or discharge Jessup. It seemed that not a day had gone by since the ruling that Jessup was not in the news. He gave multiple interviews by phone and in person at San Quentin, proclaiming his innocence and pot-shotting the police and prosecutors who put him there. In his plight, he had garnered the support of several Hollywood celebrities and professional athletes and had already launched a civil claim against both the city and county, seeking millions of dollars in damages for the many long years during which he was falsely incarcerated. In this day of non-stop media cycles, he had a never-ending forum and was using it to elevate himself to folk hero status. When he finally walked out of prison, he too would be a celebrity.